0: This is Keeping Connected, a special series produced through the Connected Nation podcast. In this series, we talk with leaders working to secure the broadband and digital futures of our communities. Specifically, we talk with individuals who serve in varying public or private capacities, working to ensure our communities are keeping connected. I'm your host, Wes Kerr. Today's guest is David Hopp with Michigan's Department of Natural Resources. David has been with the Michigan DNR for 12 years. The first half was answering questions from the public at the Southfield Michigan Customer Service Center, then the Cadillac Customer Service Center. For the past five years, he's worked as the Field Network Connectivity Analyst, working with all DNR field offices across the state related to phones and connectivity. David is also the DNR's Accessibility Team Chair and Coordinating Producer for the Wardens TV show as seen on the Outdoor Channel for the Michigan DNR. David graduated from Eastern Michigan University. Thanks, David, for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on, David. Uh, you know, David, whenever uh, we do these podcasts, it's always kind of fun to ask an icebreaker question. Um, and and honestly, I, I typically ask folks what what we'd find them doing away from work, um, you know, as a hobby or whatnot. But but you sent over one piece of, of pretty interesting information or something I think that, that is is pertinent to our conversation today and I think would be uh, kind of fun to talk about. And, and you mentioned that you spent 20 years in the music retail uh, business until the iPod and Internet ended that. And so, uh, I'd be interested in, in, kind of your, your perspective and in any kind of uh, stories you might have as you saw that digital transition take place.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, so when I was going to school, uh, I, back at Eastern, uh, I was planning to, uh, uh, again, first I wanted to do something as a, in wildlife or a wildlife biologist type of thing. And, and while I was there, um, I S I got a part-time job at a music store and I, I played guitar a little bit and, uh, love music. And, uh, it was the perfect thing. I mean, wouldn't like working in a record store. So it was at the same time that CDs were just being introduced, not to date my age there at all, but, uh, our, our stores, there were no big box stores selling CDs yet. Um, if you wanted a new CD, you went to a real record store and, uh, Business was crazy because everyone was buying the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. All of that stuff was like that just got released brand new. Um, so it, we were very successful. And when I graduated, I was offered a manager's position in Plymouth at Repeat the Beat. And I took that and, uh, you know, business was so good. Um, and, and at that time, it was a different world as far as music locally there. Each. uh Each music uh, label had a had an office in the Detroit area and they would bring in stars and talent uh, to come in and go. You get to go to the show. You get to go dine with them. You know, it was it was a really neat uh, thing. And it was hard for me to uh, to to leave that when things were going so well. So uh, eventually I got to the point where I uh, uh, owned my own store in Southgate called uh, The Rock Box. And uh, unfortunately, during that time period, the uh, uh, iPod came out and you started to, you were able to carry thousands of songs basically in your your shirt pocket. And um, what had been leading up to that too was as the internet grew people were able to find ways to download music and uh, i'm sure everyone remember well if you're around you remember napster and and the and the uh issues that were going on with is it legal and and how should it be how should it be done and basically what was happening is uh, music was getting out to people without them having to go purchase it and it didn't help that record labels were still charging a lot of money for those CDs when especially when people learned that you could buy a CD for 25 cents and burn an album for free going to the store and dropping 15 bucks for it uh, isn't that appealing and uh you know I tried to fight the good fight for a couple of years there but uh, uh eventually the writing was on the wall and uh, I figured I needed to find something else to do so um Uh, I, it also coincided with happening right before the whole vinyl, uh, resurgence began. So if I always think maybe if I would have held out a couple more years, things (laughs) would have been completely different, but a lot of, you know, unfortunately a lot of stores that, that were around in those days were all gone. Like I said, it was a whole completely different landscape that people nowadays probably wouldn't believe. But, uh. Uh, i'm I'm actually thankful it happened because it was a hard time when when that went down you know losing the store and and looking for something to to restart and I was lucky enough to find a uh, uh, an ad for a customer service center for the DNR in Southfield Michigan I had no idea that there was an office in Southfield Michigan and I kind of thought of myself as you know kind of uh, being into the DnR and and hunting and fishing and, and following them and no idea there was an office there. So um, I actually applied and my customer service skills from the, uh, that I learned dealing with the public in the music uh, stores, I think is what got me in. And uh, 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 ever since then, I've always enjoyed uh, the, the position and answering questions and, you know, everything that's related to the DNR fascinates me. So it's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Uh, David, that's fun, and and I uh, actually remember that re-release of the Beatles. I had that album on on CD, so I, I do understand and remember those things. <laughs> so, uh, and I remember all the fanfare around it. Uh, oh yeah, it was a big release. deal. That, that, the that, Beatles that, were coming that four out on disc CD, set that you know came out. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh well, David, let's uh, let's kind of dig in and talk a little bit uh, about you know just honestly, you know the role that you have today and, and kind of the importance, you know, I guess an idea of what, what's that role look like for you today? And then, you know, the importance that you see with, with connectivity and, you know, high-speed internet um, would be, you know, I think a good, good direction for us to go.
1: Okay. So, you know, a lot of our locations, when we get into field offices, when you're talking state parks, wildlife, wildlife offices, um, forestry offices, Harbors, state harbors, museums, uh, customer service centers. Those are all part of where we have people working. Um, many of the locations are remote by design. You know, you go to a state park, it, it's most people picture it you're out in the woods somewhere far away from the city and, and things like that, though that's not always the case, but especially as you move north. Um, so there's always been two schools of thought. Uh, One, that people come to these locations to get away from technology and relax and, you know, kind of unwind and unplug. Uh, But now things are a little different because there's an expectation that wherever you are, you're going to be able to connect via your phone, basically. And a lot of people now will look at things like uh, a family vacation maybe you can do that more often than you used to because you're you know maybe mom and dad can connect to work while for a couple hours while being in a park somewhere and get that job done and now you're able to go out when in the past you wouldn't have had that luxury so you know that that's been a big thing uh uh, going on here the last I'd say five or ten years um you know everything is moving pretty quick um so, you know, another obstacle has always been kind of balancing the money for technological technological improvements versus going to the resources. You know, if you're a biologist, you're, you're looking at what can I do? This is what I need to do to help the resource. and And I need to spend my money to get that or I need to get people to analyze it. But it's hard sometimes for people to think of, You know, the the connectivity issue, because we ran into some situations here in the last couple of years where there's programs that we're trying to use uh, for forestry, for law enforcement, and the speeds were not capable of allowing it to function, which is a huge, huge problem. And in some instances, there is no cell service. There is uh, maybe a minimal... Uh, internet connection, and to get that upgraded, a lot of times we're six figures, and and that's again, you know, our budget for the DNR. We don't get a lot from taxes, you know, we get it from our users. So there's expectations from the users that the money they're giving are going back into it, and sometimes it's hard to see that, you know, that gain in productivity uh, or even being able to to work by. Something that's almost invisible, like the internet uh, and, and the speeds provided.
0: Yeah, I, I like that, that that idea. The that the internet's almost invisible. Uh, and I think you would agree with me until, until you don't have what you need. Right. And then exactly. it's, it, it's so blatantly <laughs> clear of, uh, you know, and, and I, I think it's never been more clear uh, than it has been probably in this past year. And I, I don't know what kind of impact uh, the, the pandemic has had on DNR and the services that you all offer, but, but obviously in, in so many other facets of life, we, you know, it has been made brutally. Uh, we've all been made brutally aware of, of the need for service. And so, um, I, I'm kind of curious, David, you know, from your perspective from a from a departmental perspective, I guess, uh, you know, what's the what what kind of troubles you the most when we think about inadequate access to to broadband and technology, you know, I guess, you know, holistically, but also from a from a departmental standpoint.
1: Well, you know, the, the first thing I guess that comes to mind is the public safety portion of, of what we do. Um, our conservation officers—they're fully commissioned peace officers—and they can enforce all of the laws in the state of Michigan. They're not just out there to give you uh, tickets for for too many fish or uh, you know shooting shooting something you shouldn't have shot. Um, they are oftentimes the first responders in rural areas of Michigan. Um, you know they're out in the woods if if there's a lost uh, hiker. Um, if they, if there's, there's been numerous children who've wandered off and our officers have been able to find them and they basically their offices are their vehicles. So having connections for them to be able to work and, and get information as needed is very, very important. Um, the other thing that we're in the middle of right now is uh, fire season. You know, they'll, they'll choose locations for standby um, in areas where there's likely fire danger, um, so it doesn't always coincide with having good connectivity. Um, having the ability to for them to stay connected allows the staff. You know, the staff. A lot of them they fight fires, but they also have other responsibilities. So instead of sitting there, you know, waiting for a fire to happen, if they're able to continue with their normal duties. It, it lessens their their stress on their workload and helps them continue to be, uh, you know, viable and working with uh, the rest of their staff. So um, and, and then again, too, you're looking at you want if there's a fire, you want connectivity. So those the, that information can get out right away and, and action can start to happen.
0: Yeah. And I think as I, as I listen to you speak and have thought about the role that, that DNR plays, you know, I, I think for, for you all departmentally, I th- the mobile connectivity is obviously very, very important. Uh, just like you were speaking about, you know, your your officers and, and even just, you know, field staff in general, the ability to, to connect and, and generally work from, you know, probably the cab of a truck or, or whatever their vehicle of choice may be is so important what are some of the biggest barriers that, that you all see to connectivity? Um, You know, is, is it just purely the lack of mobile service in areas or um, are you, are you, you know, more keenly aware of some of the like, you know, backhaul issues that, that may, you know, or may hinder service um, into the areas that that you all need it the most?
1: Yeah. From what I see, you know, it's interesting when I go out to a place to test uh, to see like a lot of times if, if we go to that cell route, we're using, uh, uh, they're called cradle point routers, and they access internet through, um, through cell signals, uh, and they, they work way stronger. They're much stronger, much more reliable than like a regular jetpack. And um, when I go out to, to places, when I start to get close, I'll start looking at my uh, signal uh, on my cell phones, I'll have a, a Verizon and an AT&T and I'll watch and I'll be getting close. And I'll think, oh, great, four bars. And you go a little further, all of a sudden, no bars. And and then they pop up again and then they go away again. So there's a lot of inconsistency there. And, and again, you know, like one of the most interesting areas is if you go east of I-75 and you get uh, outside of Gaylord, um it's just really hard getting connections out there. Um, there are several places where you can't even get a cell signal. And, and again, you know, it, it's probably mostly due to terrain. And there's not just, there's not a lot of other people out there. So it's kind of, you know, on the back burner, you're not going to go up to the Western UP uh, in the middle of a forest and set them up before you, you know, set up Lansing or Detroit. Uh, for their coverage, but I've noticed even in, in Lansing, just outside in Mason, um, where you'd think there was very good, there'd be very good uh, cell coverage. Uh, I, again, sometimes there, there just isn't. And I know uh, both AT&T and Verizon are continually working. Um, we, we continually have discussions and, and, you know, I'm always asking, let me know, please let me know when new towers go up because that's a big deal for us um toquamnan falls area uh they just had an AT&T cell tower go live in march and it completely changed what we do up there because all of a sudden they have 4G service up there uh maybe even 5G I'm not sure I don't think of any of our equipment up there was ready for 5G but uh, uh all of a sudden our, our office at toquamnan state park is is now fully functional and and it and you mentioned covid So that was a big, big deal for us because as state employees, we were basically, if you could work from home, you were sent home, you know, Lansing, especially Lansing, those places, those people were moved out to their, to their homes for the last year and a half. And we're just getting around to getting back to the offices, but I don't know how quickly that's going to be, but um, there were a lot of people that struggled and we, we did what we could to help them out. And and uh, a lot of like uh tukwamanan reminds me of uh the uh parks they did state programs uh for for kids that were staying at home during this time for for teachers to use so they would have our uh, our park interpreters connecting via the internet to do what they used to do in person to show them maybe a fish hatchery or or you know uh, the, the, the the falls up there at Taquamanon. So it became even more important for us to have good connectivity when, you know, the, oh, the other thing was uh, everyone meeting now via uh, Teams, Microsoft Teams. We, we were all on that. And that was a whole nother thing of making sure you had enough bandwidth to use that. So uh, so all of those things changed uh, the way we, we tried to connect. And uh, again, sometimes we're, we're still having issues in places, but a lot of places are, are still expanding and, and growing. So we're hoping that eventually there will be coverage.
0: Yeah, David, and you brought up the, the conversation of, of, you know, having, so you were talking about the the relationships with new providers or with providers and when they were bringing new services in and, um, you know, that's something that, you know, a, a lot of the f- work that, that Connected Nation Michigan does is working with communities and, and, it's co- commonly one of the things that we talk about is having these relationships with providers um, and and it doesn't it, it it can simply be that that you, you know having a you know who do i talk to um, can they help me notif- you know help notify me when services are coming to town and, and those types of things so I, I guess all of that being said you know, what kind of, um, I, I guess, would you have advice for, uh, you know, other departments, your peers, or even just some of our communities, particularly in rural areas, um, on, on how to, how to begin to b- develop those relationships, um, and are, and do you think there are ways that we can, um, collaborate, you know, across state and local governments to, to help with connectivity?
1: Yeah, that, that has been one of the most, uh, I guess, uh, Frustrating issues is, is just finding out what's happening. And, you know, there, there's, uh, for instance, Pigeon River Country. Again, we're ta- I'm talking the area just kind of uh, uh, east of Gaylord off of I-75. Middle of nowhere, um, we we're told that no one was going to run fiber out there because we would be it, you know. So you're basically running from a little town several miles to, to our office and that would be it Because there's no other houses or buildings Or anything out there And it's understandable um, But uh, One of our guys, a new guy took over there And he gets a thing For permission to run fiber network Through there from Great Lakes Energy And he he, he Just happened to shoot me an e- email He's like, hey, you know, did you know about this? I'm like, I had never heard of Great Lakes Energy And they're running fiber basically through our front yard of our building there. So, uh, you know, there, there was something that was a a big surprise to us and, and it turned out great, but have, if we could have known in advance, it it would have been great to, to have it working as soon as possible. Um, Same with, uh, you know, I've often asked a lot of these places, you know, is there any way you can put me on a list? I don't even care if I get spammed, Too much. Just can't you send out a list like this tower is now up and we have new coverage. I would think they would want that. And we just haven't been able to get that with uh, a lot of places. And then you end up, you know, a lot of these places I've been working with for five years and you, you feel bad sending the same email. Hey, can you check this address for me? And then having to go to, you know, every carrier that we know just to see if anything's changed. And then it comes back, normally it doesn't. So that's the most frustrating thing I see with that. Um, And and, uh, recently we we did join with uh, the uh, Michigan uh, uh, Task Force for Connectivity. And I'm hoping that uh, uh, we're going to find more of these answers. and, And again, working with other state agencies Hopefully, they'll see that it's worth the time to to let us know when these things are active or or where they're planning to do work.
0: Sure, and, you know, and you brought up the the CMIT, the Connecting Michigan Task Force, and um, it, it is obviously designed to to bring all of the various different departments in the state together, and 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 you know the opportunity to collaborate, discuss, and and really look at look at connectivity from all all the various different facets uh, of of state government to ensure that, you know, whatever cooperation can, can happen and, um, ultimately to even make it as, as streamlined as possible to expand services throughout the state. Uh, and so I think that's, and we've seen already in the past year, a lot of really good things come out of that group and, and the conversations that that take place within the task force, um, you know, the guidance uh, and generally the the discussion, uh, you know, as, as um, you know, as what, as what typically happens when you put a group of people together, you start understanding, um, you know, the other perspective or the, the the need of someone else and, and immediately you start seeing where uh, you know, one can help the other or, or how uh, one department maybe can, can resource the other in some different way. Uh, and so I think that's a it, it's really neat that the state is doing that. I think there are already good things coming from that and, and certainly hope that it extends itself into um, you know some of the areas where DNR uh, really needs help. Um, as we kind of think about this and we'll wrap up here shortly, do you have any advice for say your peers or even some of the communities that you work in on how they can be a part of, um, you know, kind of connectivity statewide and, and like, as you think as, as a member of CMIT, are there, you know, do you have advice to, for our communities about how they can leverage even DNR when they think about connectivity? Um, cause I know, you know, providers sometimes are looking for access or are looking to, to, you know, from go from point A to point B and, and oftentimes that may be across state lands. Um, you know, any advice around those types of things?
1: Yeah, I know, uh, a lot of our, uh, we get a lot of requests for running things like fiber and, and things like that. And, and normally I don't think there's an issue, although, you know, again, depending where you're at, there could be a very good reason why someone wouldn't be able to dig or go through there. But, you know, for the most part, those right You know, they they can contact a local office or, you know, we have several customer service centers that are across the state and those are manned um, basically eight to five Monday through Friday. There's always someone there. Again, things are a little different with COVID, but they're still answering the phones and we hope to uh, be back in the offices shortly here, but uh, they can always call and, uh, and and ask questions about an area and you know sometimes that's how how these things get started uh you know i've had sometimes uh there's some misconception just recently um i saw someone post something that uh they heard every uh state facility dnr facility was going to have internet available and and so like you're saying someone wanted to know well how can we be part of that and I saw that and I was like, well, I, I wish that was true. <laughs> I, I, I'd be the first <laughs> one to uh, to agree to that. But, uh, uh, you know, sometimes there's some misunderstandings of, of what's out there. But if, if anyone ever wants to contact us or, or uh, you know, can, can you always contact me? You know, uh, uh, I don't mind uh, trying to see what's out there because you never, you know, so many of these things uh, just kind of happen like this you know, a quick side story, this cradle point router thing. Um, I was at a meeting and, uh, this representative from a a company called step CG was there, uh, named John Mull. And he hadn't said anything pretty much throughout the whole meeting and that, and we're getting ready to to leave. And he goes, Hey, you ever see one of these? And he puts this uh, little square out on the table. And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, check this out. So he, uh, we're sitting there and uh, where we were at, we had no connectivity on our phones. So uh, there's zero bars. So he plugs this thing in and a couple minutes later, he's like, okay, try your phones now and connect. And all of a sudden we were on the internet and I'm like, Whoa, what ca- how does that work? Cause uh, we couldn't even make a phone call <laughs> out of here. And uh, so he ends up giving me uh, a router to take with me and use as a test. So I started bringing this thing out to offices and they're like, no, can't make a phone call from here or anything. You stick it up on the wall. All of a sudden this place that didn't have internet, all of a sudden we had internet there. So just by happenstance, I always think, what if I, or, or John would have missed that meeting? Um, you know, this, this became a thing where not right now, all of our officers, uh, I think a hundred or close to 200 of them all have these in their vehicles and there's many uh, state offices now that are running where this was a better choice than they're hardwired either, you know, I mean, we still have DSL and, and dial up at some places, because that's the only thing available. So this has been a real uh, game changer for us. But, you know, that that's what I mean when you never know what's going to happen coming out of a conversation. So, um, sure. Like I said, if anyone wants to reach out to us or one of our offices, it's always good to check in and and let us know what's happening. I even had another uh, another guy. We were we were checking a place up in Ontonagon and the guy came out who owns the property there, and he says, "Hey, tell AT and T or Verizon if they want to put a, a tower up on my property, uh, you know, I'd be willing to listen to them." So. So I said, okay, I'll pass your information along. I mean, you never know if they're looking and they could have used it there. Uh, you never know what will come of that.
0: Sure, sure. Well, David, I want to thank you for, for your time today and, and joining us for this conversation, and in particular, what you're doing to you know to help with the digital future of Michiganders, even from the, from the DNR, which I think most of us uh, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily think about connectivity and tying that back to DNR, but we certainly appreciate that. Today's guest has been David Hopp with Michigan DNR. I'm Wes Kerr. Thanks for listening to Keeping Connected. If you like the show and want to know more about our nonprofit, head to connectednation.org and look for the latest episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, or Spotify.